When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. It's, uh, what is today? what's today's day? Tuesday. I lost track. I worked this morning. I'm working this afternoon. I'm, I'm, I'm losing track whether I'm coming or going. And, you're still uh, in here. The studio you're still here. Picture. Judge Richard Weinberg and 10-year GOP chairman of Brooklyn, Craig Eaton, and a great attorney. Uh, and uh, Judge Weinberg, he'll get you out of jail when your time is up. First uh, day of summer today, John. First, first day, day of, of summer, summer. Yeah. and the longest day, yeah. 15 and a half hours of daylight. It feels long. It feels you very long You know what that means? Today. For 15 and a half hours, the people in Canada are not listening to WABC. <laughs> that's not good. That's, not good. that's uh, you know, we used to be able in the dark when it goes in the dark, we go, we go to WABC, we go to Northern Europe, etc., etc. Lydia, we have a great show. We have a great show. We'll be speaking to Hank Schenkoff, uh, Michael Nussbaum, uh, Fred Zeidman, uh, Dr. Siegel, also speaking to Eric Levine. Uh, but first on the line for us, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law, constitutional scholar, expert, and a Brooklyn boy at heart. And we love having him here every Tuesday on Cats at Night. Hello, Professor Dershowitz. I love coming on on Tuesday. It's my favorite day of the week. And uh, <laughs> uh, You tell that to all year. the girls. <laughs> all the radio hosts. <laughs> Professor, yesterday we had a, you know, it was uh, uh, Juneteenth. Yeah. And uh, we had uh, Mayor Ed- Eric Adams on, and we had uh, 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 yeah. Reverend uh, uh, Al A. R. Bernard, Cock- Reverend Cockfield, right? Yeah, and 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 they're mad as hell uh, because of uh, of the culture that's going on in our city, and and the, the fact that uh, mm-hmm. uh, the the black people are suffering the most. Yeah. And uh, I want to know how the Jewish people are feeling because. Uh, whether it's the Jews that were always voting Democratic or whether it's the blacks that are always voting Democratic or, or the Hispanics or the Asians, I think, how did that movie go or how did that show go? As the world turns. Yep. And yep. I think it's turning. So give us your gut feel. What the heck is going on in the Jewish community? Are they still doing dumb things voting for Democrats? I can't speak for the whole Jewish community. Many Jews have priorities other than their own self-protection in Israel. They have priorities in favor of a woman's right to choose and and gay rights and the climate and gun control. Uh, But I think they're being foolish. I think that they're not doing enough to defend themselves. Look, I wrote a book 30 years ago called Chutzpah. It was the number one New York Times bestseller, which said Jews need more chutzpah. We have to speak up. We have to defend ourselves. Things are getting are getting worse. Take a look at the New York City colleges. I love the New York City colleges. I went to Brooklyn College. I never could have gone to college if I had to pay for college or there wasn't New York City College. Today, the CUNY, CUNY uh, City of New York Law School, has become the bastion 
of anti-Semitism. I don't know if they teach anti-Semitism, but they project it. Their graduation was could have been attended by, by Goebbels, Goering, and, and, and Hitler. Uh, it was horrible. Uh, everything was turned against the Jews. Uh, people were applauding. Uh, they're turning out graduates now who are going to devote their lives to attacking Jews and engaging in anti-Semitism. City University of New York, a fifth-rate law school, fifth-rate faculty, fifth-rate student body, but they're turning out these these radical anti-Semites. And are, are those the ones that threw the? Are those the ones that threw the? Uh, uh, what, 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 what was it at the police yeah. car? Oh, the Molotov oh, cocktails. No, well, the Molotov cocktails at the police know. car, and they still I have their they still have their legal license, but they took it away from Rudy. Right. No, look, I don't know whether they went to Cooney, and I was a big fan of Cooney when it first started. I don't know who's taking it over. But today, I wouldn't hire a graduate uh, of, of, of City University of New York uh, Law School. Uh, I don't know what they're being taught. Are they being taught law or are they being taught anti-Semitism? Uh, when you look at what's come out of that law school, it's just an utter disgrace. And it's the Democrat Party. These guys are to the left of the Democrat Party, of course. And don't forget, but, me and you Democrat used to be Democrats. Party doesn't care about it, huh? Well, me and you used to be Democrats. He voted for I'm Biden. He's still a Democrat. Democrat. Yeah, I'm Professor. Still a Democrat, but I'm a Democrat on the fence. I really I'm, a, I'm a common sense Democrat. Uh, now, tell uh, me, I've, Alan Dershowitz, tell me why the the common sense Democrats, and there's still a lot of them. Don't have the courage, the chutzpah, the chutzpah, yeah. <laughs> to stand yeah. up against the, the the crazies. They should, they should, and they must, and they aren't. I agree with you completely. They feel that they're, you know, white privileged people, and they have to go along with whatever people who are less privileged have to say. And they're not fighting back. They're, they don't understand that their own status as first-rate citizens in America and in American universities. So I'll give you another example, Cooney University. I graduated Brooklyn College. I had the highest grades. I was a distinguished graduate. They won't let me speak at Brooklyn College in the political science department. Only anti-Israel speakers are allowed. I'm never, ever invited to speak there. The students are being miseducated, and I contribute to Brooklyn College. City College, when I was growing up, was I would stop contributing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, want, you don't want to hurt the kids who, are, who need to go to a free or almost free college. You don't want to hurt them. Then, then you know what you should do? We're, we're going to send out a message right now to all the kids of Brooklyn College <laughs> Write your, your college chancellor, uh, president, whatever the title is. Tell him you want to hear from Alan Dershowitz because yeah. he deserves to be heard. You might not agree with him, but the man deserves to be heard. I remember when we had the Black Lives Matter protests right outside of our offices here in Midtown. I couldn't, I couldn't count how many of those protesters also had pro-Palestinian signs up, anti-Israel, and they were giving out communist literature. And, you know, it's not a matter of me deserving to be heard. I can talk. It's a matter of students being deprived of my perspective and the perspective of others like me. I'm prepared to do it free at my own expense. I'll travel there. If, they, if you don't think people want to hear me, then they won't show up. But whenever I'm turned down, and I've been turned down from universities now a number of times, when I manage to speak, I get thousands of students coming. 
Students crave an alternative point of view, but they're being denied it by the faculty, by the administration, by student intimidation. And it's, you know, it's becoming it's becoming terrible. But the City University Law School is the worst of all. And, you know, why is there an attack? You know, the the Latinos feel the same way. The the blacks feel the same way. The Asians. Why is there an attack on religion by the Democratic Party? Who the heck are they? Well, I agree with you. And I think the Democratic Party has to become more diverse. They only care about one kind of diversity. They have to become religiously diverse, intellectually diverse, morally diverse. Well, they have to represent different points of view instead of just the narrative. There's two Democratic parties. And right now there's a war going on with the two Democratic parties, the common sense Democratic parties that I support yep. and I think you support and, yep. and the crazy Democratic parties. But the problem we have and I call out all the common-sense Democrats. Stand up. Have the yeah. courage to stand up and say enough is enough. But, you know, John, the problem is yeah, there's a lot of common-sense Democrats, but the elected officials pander to the AOCs of the world and the left of left, they and have, that's the problem. They got their left testicle that's tied the to their right ear. So, so the common-sense Democrats need to stand up and, and, and re-elect elect common-sense Democrats to office. That's what has to happen. I don't need that visual. I'm not. Right. Right. <laughs> well, look, I have to I'm tell sorry. you, AOC, AOC couldn't get elected in most parts of New I York. I agree. I agree. She found herself a district. She found herself an opponent who she beat. She became the darling of the of the hard left. She couldn't win a statewide election. She couldn't win a citywide election. But she found a niche. And she found a niche, found and, the she's, niche. and she's exploiting she's that. And, and the one thing we're not talking it. about... Yeah. There's foreign money involved. That's right. There is foreign money coming in. Uh, and when we had the, P- the PAL lunch, and uh, we had the director of the FBI in New York, the guy in charge, uh, was Mike Driscoll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he told us there's an investigation going on, foreign money involved. And the money's coming in. And I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt about that, that there is some anti-Israel money coming in, anti-American money uh, coming in. You know, I just recently received something from the Socialist Party. I don't know why they sent it to me. But the Socialist Party says essentially that the United States is worse than Russia. uh, And we have no right to condemn Russia and Ukraine because we did worse by dropping the atomic bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, saving hundreds of thousands of American lives. You know, my close friend was Bob Morgenthau. Bob was the former DA of New York, a a common-sense Democrat. He was about to go and invade the islands of Japan, and he said he would have been killed along with all of his friends but for the atomic bomb, which stopped the war. Yes, it killed a lot of people, but we were at war. That's a lot different. And we were at a defensive war. We didn't attack Pearl Harbor. They They did. They did. The idea that the and, Socialist Party of the and United they were States mean. That we're the worst country. And the Japanese were mean SOBs. Mm. Yeah. Can I Again, ask another they're question? Nice, they're the nicest people in the world now. Now they yeah. are. They That's right. We, we got rid of the American, SOBs. <laughs> what they right. did to American prisoners of war were horrible. Yeah. Alan, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to ask you uh, sure. change change the topic for a second. Because sure. a Supreme Court decision just came down about... Uh, law in Maine that was set aside that denied religious institutions money from uh, state coffers. Do you know about that? 
I haven't read the decision, but I think we're going to see a major trend toward allowing state funds to be used for religious purposes as long as it's not used directly for proselytization. I think we're seeing a change in the approach to church and state by this current Supreme Court. Yeah, it was a six to three decision, and the whole basis was private schools were getting money. But if you were affiliated with a religious institution, then you weren't getting money. And I think that was a good case, and I think it was the right decision. And Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor, Professor Dershowitz, she said that conservatives are continuously and once again have uh, obliterated the line between church and state. What what do you think about her comment? Well, I have to study the opinion more carefully. I do think that there's a danger of a slippery slope of once you allow federal funds and state funds to go to religious institutions, then how do you stop them from teaching religion and preaching religion and teaching against other religions? The the wall of separation between church and state is what has made America great. You know, we have that wall of separation, and we have the highest level of church attendance, synagogue attendance, mosque attendance of any Western democracy. So it served us well, the high wall of separation. You know, every case has to be decided on its own merits. We have some very tough ones coming up, and that is should people be allowed to use religion as a justification for discriminating against gay people or other people? Those are going to be very, very hard cases, and they're going to be coming down over the next months and years. Well, thank you, uh, Alan Dershowitz, for coming on. And uh, listen, oh, it's a stay stay on top of things. Let's make sure oh, that <laughs> that that we give our fellow. We have a lot of mutual friends that are are, are, are common sense Democrats. Let's give them the courage to say enough Absolutely. is enough. I agree. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now we have on the line Eric Levine. How, how should I introduce? You know Eric Levine. What's the best way to introduce him? Super lawyer. Su- yeah. Great su- great intellectual man of great courage. I know. He's a writer. He's a, an attorney. If you read his the articles and the columns he writes, right. it's absolutely extraordinary. And he knocks them out in rapid time. All right. I'll well, ask Eric, Eric Levine, since I'm only 6% Jewish. <laughs> how come okay. is the Jewish population not tough enough uh, on, on the woke culture of the Democratic Party? Well, there's a whole host of reasons for that, I, but I would, I would give three primary ones. The first one, I think, starts with the, uh, the rabbinate, rabbis, and what they're teaching from their pulpits uh, every Saturday morning. There, unfortunately, it's, it's, been, it's been true in the reform movement for quite some time, and it's become more and more prevalent in the conservative movement. It's this idea of what they call tikkun olam, which means heal the world. And that is an old ancient Jewish tradition of volunteerism and charity and doing good deeds. And unfortunately, it's been morphed into adopting a progressive agenda. You practice your religion being a good Jew by practicing progressive politics. And people hear that and they say, look, my rabbis tell me the way to be a good Jew is to practice progressive politics. So they do that. So I think that's that's one of the problems. I think there's a crisis in the rabbinate. It's it's been there in the reform movement for quite some time and to a degree, and it's getting more and more prevalent, unfortunately, in the conservative movement. The second is Jews are a minority. And like any minority, they want to feel accepted. Where do Jews live? Jews live primarily between in, in the Northeast and on the West Coast. Those are very, very blue areas. So you go out to dinner, you're hanging out with your friends, and you want to feel accepted. You adopt a much more progressive or left-wing or liberal perspective on the world, and whether you believe it or not, over time you say it enough, you come to believe it, a lot of cognitive dissonance. 
I, I think is involved in that. And so the third is, you know, and it's, I think it's a subset of the first one, this idea of woke politics is who's the oppressor, who's the oppressed, and whites, so they have this idea of white privilege. By definition in the woke community, Jews are whites. Now, the, of course, one of the great ironies is that Israel is a minority, is a majority minority country. It has, it has a majority of people of color, but that's irrelevant to the woke. But, so, but in the United States, who are the oppressors? We're, they're white people. Jews are white, so we must feel bad about ourselves. Israel is a Western-oriented, you know, Western liberal state, and it's a bastion of a backwash of, uh, uh, of colonialism. They're the oppressors. The Palestinians are the oppressed. All of a sudden, the Palestinians are David to Israel's Goliath, and they start feeling guilty about Israel. So, and, and Israel. You so, are, are you saying they're insecure? I'm, for some, they're insecure. I mean, but, but, you know, every time when I was a Democrat and I was a Bill Clinton Democrat, every, every person that came to my office, every U.S. senator, every Democratic congressman, every Democratic senator came in with an APAC member. And the, well, Jewish, the Jewish community controlled the Democratic Party. How the heck did you lose it? Well, I don't think the Jewish community controls anything. If only we did. If we controlled everything, everything would be a lot better. We don't control the banks. We don't. We don't control Hollywood. We don't control Congress. So, but there's a big. The big difference is you mentioned the one name, Bill Clinton. There's a big difference between Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. This all changed and went off the rails when Barack Obama became president, because he's the one who started the idea of the woke politics, the progressive politics, the 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 poly, you know the cancel culture he's the one who mainstreamed all that and in so doing he also mainstreamed the modern day anti-Semitism which is anti-Zionism anti-Zionism means that it, the Jews are the one nation on earth that are not entitled to their own state because Barack Obama put it in vogue that it's okay to challenge that pose the question is Israel have does Israel have a right to exist and from that point forward that's really when this thing went off the rails. That's what gave us the. Well, I respect. Listen, I respect the Israelis. You know why? They have a lot more courage than the American Jews. Well, look, for for someone like myself who's an American Jew, Judaism is a faith. It's a it's a religion. For the Israelis, their Judaism is their nationality. They are fighting for their national their national survival every day. I don't have to worry about that as an American. America is going to survive. So it's really important. That well, you know, that's world. what I'm worried Eric, that's what I'm worried about. You know, Venezuela wasn't worried either. And in 20 years, they took Venezuela from the richest country in South America to, to how do you say, to bupkis. Well, we agree 100%. Progressivism is a form of Marxism. It has failed everywhere, every time it has ever been tried. It, 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 capitalism, entrepreneurship. Self-reliance; those are the things that define the United States. Equal opportunity, equal opportunity is what this country is about. What you do with that opportunity is up to you. But entrepreneurship and capitalism is what made America great, and Marxism and socialism is what destroyed countries like Venezuela, Cuba, the Eastern Bloc countries, the Soviet Union. So, but I think people are waking up to that fact. 
I think you can see that in the polls. Joe Biden has now all of a sudden, you know, he wants to become. I hope he wakes up. Eric, we have to take a break. But thank you for coming on. Eric Levine, make sure you talk to all your Jewish friends and say that everybody talks to everybody. Enough is enough. Make New York City safe. Keep eight and a half million people safe in New York. Thank you so much. All right, John. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Let's take Take a break. And when we come back, we're going to come back and continue to talk about the Jewish community. We're going to have Hank Shenkoff. Let's take that break. Recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. On the line for us right now is Hank Shenkoff. He's the president of Shenkoff Communications, a strategic communications company. Uh, he's also worked on, an, what, about 700 political campaigns on four continents and 14 foreign nations and all over the country. Hank Shenkoff, if anybody knows about what's going on in politics, it's you. It seems like there's a war in the Democratic Party. And while I'm enjoying it, I do feel bad for us as, as a, as a, in the state, in New York, and in the country. Hank? Well, there's, there, there's a war. Good evening. There was a war. There's a war going on in the Democrat Party, the same way there was a war that, you know, the conservatives and the extremists won in the Republican Party overall. The Democratic Party is in a war over whether they should be uh, fighting a partisan battle or fighting a values battle. And um, unless that gets resolved very quickly, there's going to be some major surprises come the fall. Hank, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I just had the opportunity to read a recent article of yours where you point out about what's going on, for example, at the city council, which has this big progressive uh, block. They have a progressive caucus. They just hired a woman as executive director uh, for show. They it happens to be that she's uh, she's a Jewish woman, but she's a notorious uh, anti-Semite and anti-Israel. What do you say about that? What I say is that uh, it shows how powerless the Jews are in New York City. They think they're powerful, but they couldn't uh, they couldn't stop that from happening. Um, they just you know they <laughs> they can't do anything about the assaults on uh, on Jews in the outer boroughs on the streets, uh, who are like being target practice being used for target practice by thugs. They're just powerless. And uh, it tells you also how uh, much that power has declined, if there ever was one. Jews are confusing the, uh, the notion of influence with power. Influence gets you on the phone with someone. Power forces someone to occur. Hank, this is Craig Eaton. I, I was happy to hear you were going to be on today because you really are a legend and one of the smartest Thank political you, consultants out there. And we've been working together for yeah. over 20 years. But, you know, there is there is such a war going on in the Democratic Party. And, and what they have, they control the Senate, they control the state, they control the city, they control Washington. And the Democratic Party is a mess right now. It's a mess because it's a mess in Washington. You know, in New York, frankly, the Democrats are in, you know, pretty good shape. I'm a believer in two-party government, as you know, Craig. So, um, and, and I'm, a, I'm also a great believer in, in public, public sector unions regardless of what some may think. And uh, we had a much better time when the houses were split, when the Democrats uh, controlled the Assembly and the Republicans controlled the Senate. We did get a lot more done on an overall basis, besides being a a check-cashing machine for political campaigns. That being said, um, the war is a significant one. In New York State, it's not as pronounced, uh, because you do have have such a large margin of Democrats in uh, both the Senate and the Assembly. But I suspect that... um, that with the loss of most of Long Island, I would guess, and probably the loss of a couple other places in the state, that the Senate number will go down by 10, uh, although still, the Republicans will still be at a great disadvantage in the Senate. And the problem the, uh, the uh, Assembly Democrats face is not 
Republicans so much as it's the Democratic Socialists who are, uh, in order to be uh, the nominee of the Democratic Socialists or get their endorsement, you have to pledge not to visit the state of Israel, which should tell you how bad they are and why anybody would want them around is an extraordinary thing. Hank Shenkoff, I never thought I'd say this, but I actually agree with Hillary Clinton. Her recent statement, she said, if the Democratic Party doesn't want to experience a blood path, a bloodbath in the upcoming elections, they need to stop focusing on these radical social issues like transgenderism and all these other ideologies. Do you agree? Because I, I feel like they're, that's a hill that they shouldn't die on because my friends, I live in New York, most of them are Democrats. And all of them yeah. think that this is crazy. The drag queen story hours in school and the letting trans and the swimming and all. They, they think it's all kind of ridiculous and it's nonsensical. And we need to get back to lowering taxes, getting crime under control and stop focusing on issues that affect a very, very small percentage of the population. Um, let me let me be let me be very clear about this. I'm the guy that brought the Teamsters into the gay rights battle in 1986. We helped pass the original Gay Rights Anti-Discrimination Act. So I have no bones about this one. What I do believe is that in social equity, and I also believe very strongly in the idea that the Democrat Party ought to be involved in doing what it's supposed to do, which is helping unions organize, fighting for working people, fighting for decent wages, um, and doing the things it was set up to do, not to be the, the object of special interests of any kind. No offense to all on the call. The Republicans have done a pretty good job of taking care of the special financial interests we have we Democrats or Democrats have a different job to do altogether, and we're just not doing it, and it's um, it's not working out well. And if we were doing our job, you know, the the, uh, the relative wages of people would not be what they were 40 years ago when you correct them for for, for inflation and the time lapsing. I mean, it's just it's nuts. Well, right. there's it's a war going well. on within the Democratic Party, and we've been talking it with some of your colleagues, and 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 uh, the, there's a lack of courage among the common sense. Democrats to stand up and be counted. Well, the, the late Jack Newfield, who's was certainly a very well-known reporter and author, once said to me, he said, Hank, you know, they're not going to, the Democrats are not going to do very well until they begin to understand the crime issue and take control of it and do something about it, you know? But the last guy that understood the crime issue who was a Democrat was a fellow named Bill William Jefferson Clinton, who I worked for, um, and who uh, passed the, uh, who put the uh, assault weapons ban in place and the crime bill, which in some ways was bad public policy, in other ways was not. But he dealt with the moment. At least he, he began to understand. He was a Southern Democrat, and that gave him an extraordinary advantage. We can't have many Southern Democrats anymore in positions of power because there are no Democrats left in the South. Those states tend to vote overall to the right. And I think that's going to continue after uh, when the Democrats get the shellacking that they're likely to get come the fall of 2022. Oh. Hank, what do you think about this alliance between the, uh, the Democratic Socialists and the Working Families Party to go after in- incumbents in the state legislature this fall? Well, look, the, first of all, they should they should have the courtesy to stop calling themselves the Working Families Party. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anybody in the leadership who's actually been involved in active union organizing. I did that all over the country or has been involved with working people or taking on powerful people for blue-collar people in uh, unions or other places. I did that. I understand how it gets done. What I do see is a bunch of elites generally who are taking something called the Working Families Party, which used to be, uh, be union-driven, and using it for their own good. The DSA people that we meet, I don't know how many of them ever put a callus on their hands, and I resent the fact that they're talking for people like me who grew up putting calluses on our hands, uh, who dropped out of school and had to build lives out of, and, and somehow uh, build lives afterwards. So I, I, I think any Democrat... Any centrist Democrat who's a normal Democrat 
who doesn't resent them for their behavior is kind of crazy, you know. Hank Shenkoff, we had uh, Mayor Adams on yesterday. We also had one of his top advisors on, Reverend Cockfield. And Reverend Cockfield was very outspoken that they're sick and tired of, especially the black community, of all the criminals that are just getting out over and over. The 21-year-old standout basketball college star on on he was home on break, Darius Lee shot once in the chest. It looks like he was an innocent bystander. It was a gang shooting. If you had Eric Adams' ear, if you could give him some advice on what he could do to turn the tide, because, I mean, he is saying all the right things, but Albany is not budging. They're not listening when it comes to this bail reform law. What advice would you give Mayor Adams to really kind of put his his foot on their neck to, to make a difference? Well, um, listen, the the problem, Mayor Adams inherited some problems that he can't do anything about. Uh, forgetting Albany for a second, you have a city council that passed something called the diaphragm compression bill. What that does is it makes it a crime and with a heavy fine for a police officer to put reasonable strength during the course of an arrest on the body, on the chest, from the area below the sternum to the belly. Um, that's really quite extraordinary. You know, I don't I, I have some experience with doing these things. So let me tell you that I've never met anybody um, when they're being arrested who says, please take me to jail. I love it. Policing is a contact sport. And the trick is to assure, ensure when you have the kind of police force we do, which is the best in the country and the oldest in the country and among the best in the world, we have a kind of police force that we have is to permit them to do their work and to understand that those who do who do things wrong will somehow be punished, and they are. Um, but to try to tell police officers that they will lose their pensions potentially, they will lose their livelihood, they will be fined $25,000, and they will be convicted of a misdemeanor for using reasonable force during the course of an arrest is idiotic. The council passed that bill. And it tells you... And it gives a message to a police officer, stand down, look the other way, don't get engaged. And so much for public safety and law you, and order. Don't take, any, don't take any risks. I have never seen a politician run into a burning building or run into a gun battle. I've never heard a politician answer a radio call that says, shots fired, and suddenly zoom his car to get there. It takes a special kind of person to be able to do that kind of work and to do it consistently and well without getting into trouble over a 20-year period. We have the most amazing police officers in the country, without question. And they're being we're, handcuffed. And, we're, we're and they're being the handcuffed. And the, they, right? and the profession, well, it's not just being handcuffed. The profession is being destroyed. Yes. It took years to bring that profession up to the level it was before the uh, the tragic murder of, of George Floyd. And now that's been used as an excuse to destroy a lot of what we have in New York. And, you know, the facts are <laughs> that when you look at the number of um, – of uh, um, encounters between police officers, New York City police officers, and and non-police officers on a regular basis, we have extraordinarily low number of confrontations. There's a reason we have the best trained people. What we've done is we punish them because the left wants as an agenda. Part of that is disable the police. Um, the, the failure to renew 421A for the real estate community is a disaster for different reasons. It's going to cost, I would guess, probably 9,000 affordable units over the next several years, which we desperately need in New York City. And it's going to slow down the construction pipeline. And who's benefited from unionized construction jobs overall in the last decade? Thanks to the work of the late Eddie Malloy, who was head of the building trades, and Luke Coletti, the head of the Building Trade Employers Association. Black, Latin, and women people. Why? Because 46% of the unionized workforce in construction is blacks and Latins and women. You know, it's just insane. It doesn't make any sense. Well, thank, thank you so much, Hank Schenkoff, for all your wisdom. I mean, we don't want New York City turning into another L.A. or Portland. Have you seen what's going on in Portland? It's like the walking dead there. I mean, we just got to bring it back with some common sense. Well, we, we, 
we can't leave. We have to stay. We've got to we've got to stop these people from doing these crazy things. It's not just about bail reform. That's part of it. It's about exactly. the diaphragm compression bill. It's about an attitude that says that people who pay the bills have to be punished for doing so. And the punishing of success. Thank you so much, Thank Hank Schenkoff. Thank you, Hank. And, Thank you. And tell all our brothers and our friends to you know, stand up and be counted. I will. I promise Thank you. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're coming back with Larry Mandecker, uh, a, 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 a campaign lawyer, 90% with the Democratic Party. Don't forget, he also represent Republicans as well. Very few. Keep it right here, Cats at Night. John Katz and Martinez. 77 Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us is Larry Mandelker. And he is, uh, what is he? You were saying before, Judge, he's the greatest election he attorney in the country. Uh, I said that, too. Oh, you no, said that, Craig. Craig. You said that, too. I said that. And, I said that. and he's brilliant Larry. and smart. And, and he was my lawyer in 2013. Yeah. That's and right. And very gracious, very gracious. And the, the best Larry, of the best. How come your Democratic clients, don't, even though they have common sense, don't have the courage to stand up against the crazies? It takes extraordinary people to be courageous. Everybody's, <clears throat> everybody's easy to be courageous when it doesn't cost them anything. But it's very few people will stand up and be courageous when things are on the line, when their careers are on the line, when their friends are on the line. And the people who do that are rare and they must be cherished, and uh, that's that's the reason. I don't think it's only Democrats. I think it's Democrats and Republicans where you find people of courage to be rare. Larry, it's uh, it's Richard. I want to ask you: There's a war going on in the Democratic Party now. The AOC group, the Democratic Socialists, the Working Families Party have gone together to going against the the moderate Democrats in the primaries. What is that all about? So this is a con- <clears throat> a continuation of something that has started several years ago, really started in, in 2018 when the Democratic Socialists took out Jeff Klein, when they took out uh, 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 Joe Crowley. Two years later, they took out uh, uh, the fellow from the Bronx who was chairman of uh, foreign relations. And – What they're trying to do is change the Democratic Party. They're hiding behind the label Democrat, but they want to have a socialist point of view. And a socialist point of view is control of, you know, government control of the economy and the most vicious thing, intersectionality. In other words, if... You're with me on one issue. You must be with me on another issue. You must be with me on the third issue, even if it has nothing to do with the first issue. And that's that's one of the reasons why they're against candidates who are for strong national defense. They're against candidates who believe that fighting crime is one of the most important things, if not the most important thing uh, for uh, government, particularly in our black and brown and other communities of uh, color and that a strong foreign policy where we support our friends such as Israel and we 
don't co- uh, cower before or coddle our enemies, such as Iran or Russia. Uh, that's the socialists believe in something very different. That's not what the Democrats should believe, and that's what the fight is all about. Well, you know, it's uh, uh, what's your advice to you? When when you sit down with your common sense Democrats, what's your advice to them? My advice, my advice to them is first, why did you get into this? Why did you go into public service? Ed Koch used to say, public service, if done honestly and done well, is the noblest of professions. So why are you in it? Are you in it for the glory? Are you in it for uh, the fame? Or are you in it to do public service? How do you do public service? What's the good of the people? What do the people need? Not only what do the people want, but what do the people need? Understand that. And you have to be for what the people need. And you have to lead the people and help them understand what they need. And so, for instance, when it gets to be uh, de rigueur to say, okay, defund the police, defund the police, well, that's just so stupid. It's stupid, it's stupid, so stupid, stupid. That's one of the stupidest slogans I've ever heard yeah. in my life. That's correct. And, you know, to, to say something like that, just to stay in power, you have to. You know, I admire Eric Adams. You have to have some up. respect for yourself. That's right. Even and the kneeling thing. But they, but they don't. They, they're in it for personal gain. Do you remember that, like that scene of Nancy the, Pelosi? They, 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 they deserve to lose if they're in it for personal gain. They, a lot of them are for personal gain, well, and we, we need to send a, a message. We've got to take a break. Uh, Larry, last word. Go ahead. Larry, Israel last word. Great, Israel is a great friend of the United States. Well, the, Isra- the, the, the Israelis have the Israelis have more courage than the American Jews. So, you know, let's let's think about that, and we'll talk again. Not real the soon. American Jews we know. Okay. All right. Some okay. of our best American Jews have some courage. That's I'm, right. Uh, well, I'm only six <laughs> percent uh, courage. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Let's go to uh, Michael Nussbaum. He's the president of the Queens Jewish uh, Community Council. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good. How are you? Good we want to know how everyone. the Jews are in Queens. Do they have well, the courage to stand up against the, the, the crazies? John, I've been doing that for years now, and, and not just as a president of the Queens Jewish Community Council, but also as a 20-year-plus member of the Jewish Community Council of uh, New York City Metropolitan and former president of America. Did we lose him? You, you lost him. We lost him. You think him. we're being too tough on our guests? I don't, no, I don't we're, n- so. we're not being too tough at all. So they're trying to get him back. While we wait for Michael Nussbaum, I want, did you know that there's another pandemic coming? I heard about that. Okay, so let's play uh, Biden. Let's, what he said a short time ago. Take a listen to this. We do need more money. But we don't just need more money for vaccines for children eventually. We need more money to plan for the second pandemic. There's going to be another pandemic. We have to think ahead. So, so he's predicting and another pandemic? that's not something the last outfit did so very well. That's something we've been doing for fairly well. So he's predicting another pandemic, but he doesn't see a recession coming, and he doesn't see that we're in an energy crisis because he shuts down the Exxon pipeline? And there's no inflation because it's really transitory? Right. So, but and he's, the border is safe? Uh, and, and you get... 
Oh, well, we got Nussbaum back because now we're going to go back to Queens. But this relates to the entire country of what's going on on a national level as well. We want to know if Queens Jews have more courage. The Queens Jewish Community Council is spending tens of thousands of dollars telling the Jewish community of Queens to get out and vote and vote for people that stand for our values that are against the BDS movement. We have to fight against them by voting. I'm sorry, John, but even people in Queens throughout New York are not voting during this election coming up next week. Well, we got to get them out to vote, and they have well, to vote. You know what? They're, I don't see the Jewish leadership of New York urging people to go out and vote. I don't see the Jewish leadership of New York who are members of all these communal organizations, whether it be JCRC, UJA, or any of these other, or even ADL, that extolling the Jewish community to stand up. Because in a couple of years, there's not going to be one Jew that's going to be in elective office. But why, why are they standing down? Why are they not? Why are they not reaching out and telling everyone to vote? Uh, there are people doing that. I mean, Met Council is organizing that in, in many ways. We're doing it here in Queens. When I can control, I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars telling the Jewish community to vote for our values. Vote against those people that don't care. I don't know what the Brooklyn people are doing, but you know the. Democratic Party and politics in general is broken. The leadership of both political parties are not getting together to throw the crazies out, the Democratic Socialists. And they hurt everybody, Democrat, Republican. Extremism in any direction is wrong. That's correct. That's correct. And, and John, the only way to do that is to change the leadership of the political parties. Get people in there that care about the values, that care about getting people elected. Because we're going to lose the city council. Next year, if we don't do something about it, AOC endorsed 13 candidates for state office. She's going to reinforce her support. In the well, state not an over our dead body. My, well, my Michael Nussbaum, I'm going to have you on Sunday morning because there's a primary on, on Tuesday. So make sure Sunday morning we talk about it. I'm there for you. And, John, I thank you for your support and your voice. And we're doing everything we can to make sure that the Jewish community doesn't get lost in this election. We're not going to get lost. Uh, let's take a break, and we're going to come back. We have uh, Fred Zeidman, and I understand Mark Siegel is calling in to give us a re- his reaction to what Biden said. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, we have Fred Zeidman. He's a co-chairman of the Council for Secure America. He's on the board of the Republican Jewish Coalition. And uh, he also is the chairman of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, appointed by President George W. Bush. Welcome to Cats at Night, Fred Zeidman. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm past chairman, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, Mrs. Ivan, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. I want to ask you, you've uh, you've spoken and written about the issue that anti-Semitism is not a partisan issue. Would you explain that to the audience, please? Yeah, absolutely. Look, look, uh, uh, let me just say that uh, uh, there is no bigotry uh, that's acceptable under any circumstance. And certainly uh, no more uh, with us. The uh, Jewish people have always been, uh, throughout history, exposed to anti-Semitism. And we see what anti-Semitism left unchecked uh, resulted in 
you know, look, there have been three genocides, if you will, of the Jewish people. The last one was the Holocaust. Uh, we ended up with the state of Israel uh, as a result of that. But uh, uh, this is what happens when anti-Semitism goes unchecked. Uh, hatred knows no bounds. And, uh, you know, we said uh, from day one, never again, never again. And this is what it, where anti-Semitism will end up if it's considered acceptable. And there's more and more of it in the United States. There is less uh, retribution being required for people uh, that are guilty of it. Uh, and this is not going to uh, it's not going to end well for the Jewish people. It certainly is not going to end well for America or anyone in the world if this continues. It's become so mainstreamed. It's, I, it's, it's all over Main Street. Uh, it's all over Houston, Texas, where I am right now. We've had incidences here. Uh, you look at the at the killings and the beatings in New York City and across the country. And yet it's going unchecked. I mean, the the, the issues with the perpetrators of anti-Semitism uh, not being severely uh, uh, punished uh, for their acts is encouraging this. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing more and more of it. We're seeing it as a non-political issue. Uh, the great, a great deal of it is coming from the left, and, a great, and some of it additionally is coming from the far right of our party uh, with some of the uh, uh, neo-Nazi groups and those kind of things. And the stop has to be put on both sides. Don't you remember when AOC, she cried when she cast her vote for funding for the Iron Dome? She was like, no, no, what did she, she didn't, she, she voted no contest for it, right? Absent or something like that. It's ridiculous. And she was sobbing on the shoulder of one of her squad members. I mean, it, it, it's hundred percent. I think a lot of it, it bears the responsibility on the Democratic Party. Why we're seeing this well, rise in anti-Semitism. You, you couldn't even get a resolution through the House condemning anti-Semitism. <laughs> without making a universal declaration. And, and, you know, when you look at the leadership of the Democratic Party and the fact that their leaders, including uh, one of the two leaders who claims he's Moses uh, or whatever, has not done anything to uh, squelch. All they want to do is talk about Margie Taylor Greene. Uh, you know, look, we have our, uh, not to use a bad pun, cross to bear in this deal, too, with that. But we have spoken out. Uh, uh, so strongly. We've run candidates against Margie Taylor Greene. We have run against her. We have stripped her of all of her, uh, uh, of all of her, uh, 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 any kind of leadership position. And what have the Democrats done? I mean, Chuck Schumer has done nothing. Nancy Pelosi has done nothing to stop it. Uh, we've heard uh, uh, quite a bit from more moderate Democrats, but so much of this has come from the squad. And they continue to be able to uh, espouse uh, uh, what is so blatantly uh, anti-Semitism and making it acceptable. So this is what's got to stop. We've got to come up with a way to stop it. And really, they're the ones they're the ones that need to stop it. I mean, we can't stop their internal. Uh, uh, all we can do is ask them to do what we have done on our side. Uh, Breaking news, WABC. I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Zeidman. Thank you so much for coming on. We do have some breaking news we have to go to, but thank you so much. Um, on the line for us right now is Dr. Mark Siegel. We have to talk to you, Dr. Siegel, about Biden. He fell off the bicycle, and you had a very interesting take on it. His game. No, the breaking news is that Biden is saying the. Oh, the, the, there's the another pandemic, correct. There's, a, there's another pandemic coming. What the hell is that all about? 
I think he's just trying to get attention to some money money scheme that he has. And by the way, I thought you had me on to talk about anti-Semitism. Since I'm a well, Jewish a Jew person, too. and I want to applaud the deal that was made with Dubai. That was absolutely brilliant, the UAE and under Trump. And none of that has been made. No advances, as you as he just as your gentleman just said, the squad has participated in anti-Semitism. Who has more courage, the American Jews or the Israeli Jews? Well, that's a really good question. I, I mean, the Israeli Jews have a lot of courage, and I think we need more. we got a lot of self-haters here, John, and you know that. I mean, Israel has made great advances during the pandemic. They've made a great, great technical advances. They've had, they, they were a laboratory for Pfizer and the vaccine. I mean, they, they are incredible over there, and we need to learn from them, and we need to support them. And we, we haven't been seeing that. And by the way, in terms of the next pandemic, I think maybe Biden's confused and he's thinking about the 1918 flu or something. But he fell off his bike and he falls off his bike because his foot gets caught in an ancient type of pedal called the toe clip that I rode across the United States in the 1970s. And I never fell because of that. Now, I was 20 years old, but maybe that's the point. What you were you had an interesting take. I saw you were on Fox News talking about his gait. What you know, what does that mean? What does it signal? I mean, I actually agree with Bill O'Reilly. I don't think he'll be able to finish out his term. Yeah, I, I, maybe he'll finish out his term, but but he may not even be managing anything right now. I mean, who knows who's making these decisions? I I, I think we should get Casamitidis in there. But in in terms of the uh, my take on on the bike is that no, this didn't get enough attention, Lydia. But back in the fall, he had a physical, and they talked about him having a stiff rigid gate that he hadn't had the year before. Excuse me? Where did that come from? And that rigid gate can be a sign of, of cognitive issues upstairs. It can be connected. But just listen to him speak. It to Doctor. neurological yeah. problems. We never heard a word about an MRI or a cognitive test. But listen when he so, speaks. Right. He, he, can't seem, he can't seem to put sentences but, together. He can't seem to finish a sentence. There's something exactly. going on but there. But how does, how does somehow somebody walks relate to their cognitive function? Because, because, and again, I don't know this and I don't want to speculate, because some of the things that can cause cognitive changes in the brain, like Parkinson or like fluid in the brain, these things can also cause stiff gait. Okay, we're not examining him, but, but neurologists did. And you know what was interesting? There was no results. Where was the MRI? Where, where was the cognitive testing? It was done all right, but we didn't get to see it. And so, again, stiff gait can be connected to cognitive changes in the brain. And I gave you two, two ways that are commonly connected. One is fluid on the brain. The other is Parkinson. Those are just two. You can see that with dementia as well. Doctor, Very interesting. Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for coming uh, on. And uh, you got to tell us uh, who has the more courageous next time. More courage Go next time around. Go Israel. Go Israel. I agree with you. Uh, Richard Weinberg, thank you for being here. And uh, Craig Eaton, uh, I understand you're going to the wake uh, for our friend uh, uh, Chief. Uh, Deputy Inspector Chief Scholl, Chuck Scholl, yeah. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. Wonderful guy. I was there this afternoon. His family's beautiful. Lydia Serrano, I thank you. And what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.